going on down there. Hey everyone, welcome back to WTF at TFW's WTF at TCG. I almost stumbled at the end of that W. You might have heard that, but I recovered pretty well like a skateboard champion. Hello, Aaron. Hey, how you doing? I'm doing all right. Uh, How are you feeling? You still got that that Gen Con film on you? No, I didn't get much film on me at Gen Con, I think. Oh. I was was pretty, pretty... Pretty clean. I got to come home every night so I could sleep in a real bed and, and take real showers. Oh, jeez. Oh, jeez. Hey, hey, uh, Drina Losco from Wizards of the Coast. Welcome, for one. Hey, everybody. Uh, and then for two, listen to this, this this Aaron guy, this spoiled Aaron guy with his real bed to sleep in and, and his etc. Ugh. Yeah, Not I mean, a real convention goer, if you ask me. It's, you know, this is summer convention season. I, I, I think I've logged, I don't know. I think it was like 11,000 miles this summer. Oy. Um, and, uh, man, having a convention that would be, you know, right, right next to my house would be awesome. Yeah. I'm, uh, I'm coming up on the one that's the closest thing I get to that. We got fan expo over here in Toronto, uh, at the end of this month. And that's a convention I can walk to. No, oh, I've never uh, been I've heard. It's fantastic. So are you going to be staying at the, at the hotel? <laughs> I uh, someone on a Discord I'm in told me that because Fan Expo is is becoming a an SDCC tier convention. Yeah, it really uh, is. Mm-hmm. The, the hotels nearby are charging 400 Canadian a night. Apparently, oh, good. <laughs> so I'm super happy I can walk home from that convention if I go. <laughs> but uh, that's neither here nor there. We're here to talk about conventions that already happened and other stuff that's already happened. And we got a little smattering of topics to cover here. Uh, the the first one, let's, let's let's do a quick little little rundown. You both were at Gen Con. Lots of stuff happened at Gen Con. Drew, uh, you guys were like I, I've seen now at least four or five videos of of you all chilling out on the uh, in the tournament room. I'm assuming that was called. Uh, hall b it was uh it was hall hall b for bravo because there was some bravo tier gameplay going that was a good one thanks good good job me there was a a major tournament that happened there was a a, a very different meta than a lot of people were expecting uh san diego cliff jumper came back in the conversation drew uh what was it like seeing that develop over that weekend from your perspective so it was really exciting watching all of the wave three cards show up and right like i know that um you know, it's funny. I was, I was, we were having a lot of conversations about this. Uh, you, I mean, you, we, let's tackle the the winners deck. Um, mm. You know, one of the most interesting things from our perspective, watching um, Mr. Allen play, was uh, watching him skillfully use secret actions to just crush his opposition. Um, mm-hmm. You know, Matt and I had this conversation about how. Matt wasn't surprised about red alert showing up because red alerts, when you do the numbers, if your goal is to survive by just like one or two hit points, red alert is correct for that star range. Um, Mm -hmm. So it was amazing watching, um, you know, the setup. Is it, you know, am I going to stop your, you from flipping a lot of cards? Am I going to stop you from, from just, you know, beefing up uh, to a, a giant attack number directly. And there were so many attacks that, that just didn't kill one of the characters. And, yeah. and that's, that's one of the beauties of four wide, like, like in, 
like individually your your character your hit points are spread out amongst uh more characters and if you can keep them alive suddenly you get this like crazy advantage so that was really exciting to watch um there were some things that we were really happy that showed up like uh we were super happy that folks figured out uh blaster yeah very quickly too i mean that was that was not a, a lot of lead time to really get any, you know, decent amount of testing in once the, the thing had come out at SDCC. No, and, and the the critical thing about Blaster is to recognize that you just need to pull... It's, it's not like, oh, this is four characters, like Blaster and three bots, that I just need to build a deck for. It's realizing that Blaster needs you to pull one of the one or more of the bot, of the cassettes out and replace yeah. them with something else, and then, then you have the competitive build. And so, yeah, that was... That's the critical mental leap there. Um, we knew that Blaster was a much obviouser obviouser build than than Soundwave, so mm-hmm. we were really happy that that people showed up with Blaster and that Blaster performed pretty much as well as we thought it it could. So that was fun. Uh, you know, we're always get, we're going going to see Insecticons show up, and I think by volume they were the largest percentage of decks that were um, deck type that was there. So it wasn't mm-hmm. surprising to see some of them at, you know make the higher tables. So overall, I, we were really pleased with the uh, with the metagame. I had a conversation with with a friend of mine who was also there, uh, Eric, um, uh, who had just played a game with him last night, and he was saying that the one, like he 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 felt a little a little crushed by um, he had a game against a very young Bugs player, and he'd also been he'd been having a bad run that day, so it was sort of a cherry on top. But I, I was talking to him and another guy about um, how the impression I've got is people who are kind of starting to look at the game now or who are, who are at Gen Con and thinking, oh, maybe I'll take part in the game, who talk to folks that are into it. It's sort of like how, you know, the, the red deck, red aggro deck in Magic is often the one that is, you know, a beginner's told, oh, you should try this at first because it's very straightforward. I think that is kind of what Bugs is, is, you know, if you're not confident to build your own deck, if you're a little bit spooked by some of the more complicated decks, like a lot of people will tell you if you run Bugs, it's a fairly straightforward strategy to 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 calculate. Uh, on the player end, and I think that's why we end up seeing so much of it still, and that's intentional, um, right? Like, ever there needs to be a competitive level deck that is relatively easy to build and relatively easy to pilot. Um, mm-hmm. I, I agree, and and I think bugs is also far less threatening nowadays. Uh, a because we know it'll show up a whole lot, so ideally, if you really care about it, you should probably have a build of a bugs deck, you know, to test against. Mm-hmm. Um, but but also, as you're saying with Secret Actions, I've felt that Infiltrate has been a game changer for me as someone who ends up running a lot of blue Decepticon decks. Uh, Infiltrate does a ton of work for me, along with the, the Gyro Blaster. And to me, it makes... I mean, bugs are not an easy game, obviously, to, to, to win or anything. But I don't feel uh, like I'm, I'm on an uphill battle against them, necessarily. Uh, I feel like I know what I can do against them. And, and I think that's knowledge that's going to perpetuate that to the player base, you know, really fast if it hasn't already. Yep, um, uh, I think I think that there's there's more to be to be done with in the competitive scene with secret actions, uh, and I, 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 you know, Kevin wrote a really good write up of his deck um, on mm-hmm. in the fan community, and yeah, you know, he was talking about that it's not just one card. Like Cliff Jumper is clearly important, but how he used mm-hmm. a wide variety of cards, and I think that I hope that that shows that to a lot of other players that. Um, that secret actions are are a uh, a viable tool in the competitive metagame. Yeah, I, I think like speaking for myself, the the main thing with secret actions that I think flavored them for me and a couple local guys was in our in our opening sealed games. 
uh, be- because they they are generally, you know, it, it, with with broad strokes, secret actions are fairly defensive. They 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 come with this sort of stigma of you've got to be able to both draw into it and and have it ready to go to play at the right time. And at that at that point, I feel like the game was very much about most of your plays outside of when you're doing something very untappy like cars. You're often playing in a in a span of about like two or three turns is kind of the window you're looking at. And I, I feel like secret actions operate well outside that window. Like I was listening to you guys talk about them on on other folks' interviews, uh, various other folks' interviews, and I'm I'm only not name dropping because I know that I'll forget someone if I do. Um, and and, and I, I feel like there is a timing to secret actions that is very fresh to the game that is is probably still being uh, digested by a lot of players. I, I think so too. Um, we we intentionally put added secret actions into the game as a way for players who uh, enjoy a certain type of skill testing in TCGs, like predicting what my opponent's going to do, um, creating situations where I can bait my opponent to do the thing that, that I want them to do because I have an answer for it in the form of a secret action or you know a, a, a reactive play on the next turn, on my next turn, and then can make the opponent sort of think through my play that that's the best thing for them and then just sort of like blow them out, you know, which is yeah. what, which is what we saw with the with right. um, Kevin's card deck all the time, like every time the, right. that that he prevented an opponent who committed resources into killing a character from executing that plan, even if it did like you know all but two damage, Kevin won that little tactical battle. And this game, I've I've very much found that uh, like a sole misplay can cost you the game five or six turns later if you start to like cycle back on how the butterfly wings cause the tornado, if you will. And I think that secret actions, especially as we get more of them, uh, I'm assuming, like that's that's going to be a huge part of it because, like I've found, just with infiltrate, you know, I'll play against Autobot decks, and you know, guess what? You can usually assume aggressive Autobots are going to try to play. Um, press the advantage whenever they can. Uh, thank goodness infiltrate exists because I've I've straight up I've said it I've like hey I counterspell your your press the advantage. Uh, I have ruined attacks doing that just a handful of times already and it, it feels very good. <laughs> yeah, ab- absolutely. Um, bolster the the sort of bolster and um, uh, dampening field mind game is a, mm-hmm. a wonderful one to play. Oh, oh, yeah, and and yeah. I think it it also says a strategy for secret actions is unless you're just running battlefield report for the sake of sort of, sort of minor defense buff and a bit of card draw. I feel like you probably want to run at least two secret actions so that your opponent can't just look at your scrap pile and figure out if it's safe. Yes, uh, mm-hmm. absolutely, absolutely. Like battlefield report is really just you know it's like card filtering and and and, yeah. and helps yeah. smooth out your draw. Um, it does have that very minor. Uh, honestly, I like I like Battlefield Report when I really need to get a white on top of my deck for any number of reasons for wanting a white on top of your deck. But yeah, you need you need to be able to to a secret action isn't a secret action if your opponent can just play around it, right? There has mm-hmm. to, there has to be multiple secret actions, which is and it's you you're not going to be surprised to hear this, but there will be more secret actions printed in the future. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, I, I assumed as much. I was, I, I felt like that's not even going to be a, a screwdriver on the locked door thing. Like, I'm just gonna, I'm gonna roll with that assumption. That yeah. <laughs> no, there's, there's definitely going to be more, and that will, that will help augment the sort of mind game aspect of secret actions. Yeah. Uh, as a major shockwave main right now, that excites me a lot. Oh, cool. Um, 
That deck's actually be, the, the only frustration I have with that deck is I am so adamant on keeping it at forty. It's becoming uh, physically painful having to edit that deck for any or trim that deck for any kind of edits or trying out new cards. Oh, don't don't do it. Don't go over. I don't want to. I uh, <laughs> I've seen other people do the forty one. I'm sure it's safe, but I, I just like my my nice even forty. Yeah, forty one opens the door to forty two. Exactly. Exactly. Forty four. <laughs> And then, like, 70. I mean... <laughs> then you're in a bad place. I, I heard from someone where they were trying to just run a deck. Oh, who was it? I can't remember now. Someone was telling me, because they didn't quite... They, they never played a TCG before. They thought, well, if I just put every card I own in my deck, then surely my deck will just run whatever I want. And so they were playing with a deck that was, like, 70 to 80 cards. Just uh. this giant pile of cards next to them. <laughs> Uh, this wasn't at one of my local stores. This was someone I talked to at a TFCon. Um, and I, so I explained to them, like, the nature of, you know, ratios and stuff. Um, you know, and that's a nice segue into, into something else about Gen Con and, and uh, events. You know, deck building is difficult. It, it is, it's skill intensive, but it's also interest intensive. Like, someone has to want to do that level of experimentation. And one of the reasons, mm-hmm. from a brand point of view, clearly, why we do big events like Gen Con and, and Origins Open is to generate deck lists so people can say, ah, that's the thing I want to play. Because yeah, uh, this was an awesome, awesome analogy that someone else brought up to me. But there are lots and lots of pilots and very, very few engineers. Uh, yeah, I would. I mm-hmm. would also say if your player base is not at least four people, you don't really have the environment to to actively like competitively brew. I don't think like you're. If it's just you and your buddy, like that's cool. But eventually, you're you're banging a lot of ideas against exactly one brain. And right. I think there's no shame in wanting to just like run other deck lists, especially in a smaller player group. That's, when you just want games. I was gonna say that's the thing that I've been trying to uh, get a hold of uh, Brian, who was the second place. Uh, at Gen Con, since he is a local, mm. and have like three of us sit there and and work towards it. So, but that you should do that. Whole, whole busy work job thing is keeping me from having time to like be home sometimes. Oh, you just got to turn it into a second job. This card gaming thing. Yeah, yeah that that sounds healthy you can, for sanity. Hey, listen, if you do well, you can make hundreds of dollars every few months, <laughs> and yeah. And you'll be you'll you'll feel happy about it. Um, actually, I wanted to segue quickly over to Aaron because we were talking about um, you know with secret actions, predictive play. Aaron, you were running a deck on the the one day you were able to play in a tournament, uh, which I've been really getting into trying out. Actually, uh, you'd found this one on was it TCG Deck Tech YouTube oh, channel? So um, I forget what the channel was. So it's a deck that like from Wave One I had tried different like pokings at of of using Cosmos. Um, and the original one was Cosmos Nemesis Prime because both of them really want shuffles, um, with a bunch of card draw. And I, I mean, I, I had it at TFCon. I think I played once in one of the, just like the random piles with it and talked about it. And I was like, okay, well, I'm thinking about tinkering on that. And then like two weeks before Gen Con, somebody did a deck tech of that and, um, like, had a whole bunch of things in there that's like, oh, that's the three or four problems that I had. And, um, like, you know, the existence now of unconventional flying object to make that, like, flush with Cosmos if I need to run through a whole lot of deck. Yeah. Um, because I had multiple games at Gen Con where I had at least 10 or 12 cards in hand at any one time. Yeah. Um, I actually had, at one point in time, I had... It was again. It was the one that I won, 
um, of my match because I went one and three and then dropped. But it was against uh, a Bugs player, and I ended up with, I think, 24 cards in my hand at one point in time. You know, there are, Cos- <laughs> and- <laughs> there are Cosmos decks floating around that use that, that abil- draw ability that you're talking about and pair it mm-hmm. with uh, Sunstorm. Yeah. Yeah. With Sunstorm. Okay. Yeah. Right, because you've got if you've got 12 plus cards in your hand, yeah, then... Sunstorm is, is now super gross. Yeah. But yeah. um but yeah, so that was like I was able to actually pull Cosmos's trick off um to kill something three or four times worked exceedingly well against bugs. Oh, you can only take three damage in an attack, that's okay. You're just gone. Yep. Yeah. Um and you don't get to flip your defense, if I recall correctly, yeah. either, because you're, yep. you're doing that it on was, the attack I, I, had, I had to stop a couple people because they were just doing the, like, okay, you're attacking, I'm defending. I'm like, wait, because yeah. this. And then um, I think at one point in time, um, Matt Smith was, like, standing right there. And I'm like, hey, I want to double check. This is, like, if this triggers, that shouldn't, right? And he's like, yep. And then moved on, and then it was the... The person I was playing against was like, "That was that was a wizard's guy." I was like, "Yeah, it was." <laughs> They're here. Yeah, the hat and um, everything. Yeah. Uh, just a quick shout out: this the the YouTube channel is Transformers TCG Deck Text. The deck is called Rough Reentry. It is a real solid yeah. deck. Um, me and Aaron both tweaked it a little bit to our own tastes, but mm-hmm. I've been having a great time with it as well. Uh, I, I super recommend people check it out. Also, because I think Cosmos got a little left to the wayside um, at yeah. the latter end of Wave One. And the the thing that I did differently than that deck is I put Master Plan in. Yep, me too. And I and I had used it to like do the math, realize I'm not going to get there, and then Master Plan two or three cards on top so yep. that it would get around to it. Yeah, but, it's, uh, I, I think one Master Plan uh, seals up. Um, it gives you a little bit of an out on the math. It helps if you got someone mm-hmm. like running a Wave 1 Shockwave, which I had, and then they outmathed my preemptive math and made me draw past anyway. Right. Uh, but uh, yeah, I wanted to sh- shout out that deck. I also wanted to shout out Matt Smith. Um, the uh, the commentary on the quarterfinals finals stream that uh, Pastimes ran for Transformers TCG, I thought was, was excellent. Um, and I really like Matt Smith being on there. He dropped something I thought was very helpful to me thinking about deck building, which is, um, Drew, on your guys and like what you guys see blue as being in a more like precise um, set of words, which was blue is not the prevention of all damage. It is the stalling of aggro damage to do tricks to do bigger damage back. Yes. Uh, which I thought was it helped me a lot a lot with thinking about building uh defensive decks after that right because this is just input output right like the the amount of damage that you are taking in versus the amount of damage you are dishing out relative to the health pools of your, of your teams right like and we intentionally don't ever want there to be a situation where you can completely stall out incoming damage it doesn't lead mm-hmm. to game games just don't conclude which is bad um so when you think of it this way is of how much damage do I need to prevent in order to execute my plan before they execute their plan, you suddenly start looking at deck building and particularly the role of blue and, and, and black pips differently. Like, like as, as someone who I'll always say it, you know, until several years have passed, I'm, I'm still fairly, fairly new to thinking about TCGs on, on a competitive level whatsoever. And, uh, that, and also kind of, it obviously not, is not a hard rule, but you know, the statement of it, it, we, we on a design side kind of expect a game of this TCG, to, you know, one round of this, um, to take, you know, approximately 20 minutes tops. 
it, it I don't know how to put it other other than it makes me th- it makes me see sort of the intent behind a lot of other cards a little more clearly as well and uh, it it makes me not want to try to fight that time limit so much, but but think of it as like this is a guideline for if I'm building a defensive deck, like don't build it thinking I will stop their damage and then just hit them back. It's I still want to ideally operate within this sort of designed occupational window, and I'll obviously caveat that with like you know a game can take shorter or longer, and I'm you know it's I'm not saying they're supposed to take twenty minutes, and I don't think that's what was being said, but it was it was helpful to me to hear that, especially you know in in that stream, which is going to be one of the most viewed I think pieces of media for the game right now. Yep, um, and there there's you know this plays out. Uh, I when Wave Three first came out, I saw a lot of double shockwave decks that were just mono blue, um, mm-hmm. and that deck is pretty successful at not doing damage. Sorry, not getting, uh, not taking a lot of damage, uh, especially the ones that were playing around with stuff like Dampening Field. Um, and uh, flip side of that is it doesn't do much damage either. We're trying to emphasize that that specifically, especially with the Pierce icon, um, that we want people to do damage. Like we don't want the dames to stall out. That's not the the, the style or tenor of the gameplay we're looking for. Yeah, and, and I've run Double Shockwaves once or twice before I kind of settled just on the Major for now, but like I would have games where I felt like I'd done the first half of a 20-minute game really well, and then after that first 10 minutes, I would just sit there taking one or two damage and then hitting them for one or two damage, and I'd feel like I was the one who was kind of failing to follow up. Mm-hmm. Um and I was at our first Energon uh, qualifier we had here in Toronto. Uh, I ran Major Shockwave, and I, I sort of clicked with something during that where it was, no matter who I'm playing against, there is a way to set up Shockwave uh, KOing someone every one of his attacks to some degree with with a decent amount of regularity um, f- through both his sheer level of power and a lot of the equipment that, you know, one often will run with him. And it made that deck feel faster to me, despite being a fairly grindy deck with a giant character on it. Yep. Uh, so, you know, from my newbie perspective, I thought that was, uh, it was some good clarity for me. We're trying to be significantly more transparent in that sort of our philosophy behind card design to um, help people make good deck building choices and good play choices. I, I appreciate it a lot, and not not to discourage, uh, to to not discourage, but not to you know step on any of the stuff that's been shared by a lot of the fairly active creators in the community who have shared a lot of information. It's just like when there is a certain thing about hearing it from the source that that makes the message like doubly clear. I find oh, um, that's. I appreciate that. I just want to give big shouts out to, well, like, big shouts out to you and Matt and and Scott and everyone I saw in uh, in interviews over that weekend. Also, for like playing games with people, I heard you were running uh, Magnus Jetfire. Yes, that sounds like a pretty fun two wide. I I played against a two wide Magnus Grimlock that was um, brutal uh, to deal with, and I can only imagine with Jetfire being able to bring that armor back. Like, that that seems rough. It is. because really the, the armor is just, you know, the armor is just something else. I, I run quartermaster in that deck, uh, specifically so that I can move the armor around to where I need it to be. Cause sometimes you need to just shift the armor, um, so that whoever's going to be defending, uh, has it. I, I think that that deck, um, I'm still, I'm still working on it. Matt built the original one for me. Um, I think, yeah. I think that deck needs a, a way to more reliably protect Jetfire because the value you get out of flipping Jetfire is pretty pretty phenomenal. Yeah, I, I still need to try using Jetfire. Since Wave 1, I've been meaning to make a deck with him and just other ideas 
uh, keep getting in the way. But he, every time I play against him, like he seems at least for the first half of a game, even in a weaker deck, like he's just doing work. Yeah, if you're not prepared uh, yes. for him, he's he can be he can do put in a lot of work. Yeah, yeah. I actually got to watch Drew and Eric play against each other with uh, Eric's uh, Devastator and Drew's uh, deck there, and 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 it did work the whole yeah. time. Right, like like Eric Eric did not have problems. Um, oh, I think I think the game you were watching uh, that was where Eric didn't didn't get a lot of um, uh, equipment removal or upgrade yeah. removal. Yeah, mm. but there were there were definitely some other games I played over the over the course of Gen Con where you know turn three the Magnus armor's gone. Like, what do you do? Yep. Well, mm-hmm. I got a plan for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the uh, the Magnus uh, Grimlock two one I played against the first game. I actually uh, all of my equipment re- removal was in my sideboard, and I told him like this is gonna this might be kind of a drag, but let's try it. And it was still I felt really good about it despite like I I lost because I couldn't get the the armor off him, but. Uh, I felt good about how much I was doing despite that. Then I, you know, I sideboarded, we played again and I got the armor off on like turn two and that felt, I felt a lot more confident in that game. <laughs> but uh, yeah, uh, at Gen Con, like obviously listeners, if you are interested, I'm sure you've already checked it out, but, but please check out pastimes. They've got it up on YouTube. Uh, the full uh, semifinals final stream. It's, it's some excellent stuff. It's, uh, it's the kind of thing I didn't think this game was going to have as far as coverage available to to people like us, um, like this early, and it's uh, fantastic. Like the commentary, I believe it was Jamie and Stefan were also on commentary. Correct, correct. Yep. Uh, they they were they were kicking some butt. Like I I think Stefan is is in particular a supremely gifted commentator on at least this game. I'm not sure if he's done it for other games, but he's got a real just like I I like listening to him talk about gameplay. I've I've, I've watched a couple of videos on his channel on YouTube as well. S. Akuma. I I really liked that that was something that I could look at. And uh, if Pastimes ever listens to this, like please do that again if you can. Uh, I, I, I like that a lot. Pass that along to them. So props to the Pastime crew for setting up the stream and, and working with Gen Con to make it, uh, make it successful. Yeah, it was fantastic. Um, and, uh, yeah, anything else Gen Con wise you guys want to touch on before I move us along to some of the other topics at hand? Um, it was, it was great to see everybody. I, uh, we all had a great, uh, great time there. I am super looking forward to, uh, seeing the whole crew again at unplugged or yeah. as many who can make it. I, I I did want to ask you. Did you ever manage to slip over and watch some Robo Rally? I did not. I know that you you couldn't get into it because of timing. No, I did not. Alas, how'd it go? Uh, it was good. Other than um, so we had a horrible failure moment on Friday where everything had been running smooth, and one of the guys was like, "Yeah, this is kind of boring because." Everything is is working just fine. Which, Why would you, know, you say that? <laughs> exactly. So uh, the the game runs uh, on a Raspberry Pi, and apparently the SD card that is the the hard drive for the Raspberry Pi decided that it was a great time to uh, have some sort of failure that caused it to become very hot and unstable, to the point where like you touched the SD card and it was it was um, like instant visceral reaction to get your hand away from the bernie thing oh, and boy. so uh we were down for like an hour and change as they had to go to uh non-recent backup versions of the software and get everything going so it was was thrilling in its own kind of panic inducing way i mean this is clear this is this is a clear clear reason 
why whenever you're doing something like this, you need to have a bottle of uh, liquid hydrogen with you um, mm-hmm. just to pour liquid, just liquid oxygen just to pour directly on the processor. Yeah. <laughs> That'll fix the SD card. I, yeah. I can speak from experience. That'll fix the no. SD card. The nearest thing we could figure is that uh, something happened and the SD card was now uh, the little bit of power that it needs to get was bridging across to other things because we tried to put <laughs> in like a, an SD reader on the computer and then that computer started acting weird until the SD card was pulled out. So How weird. Man. So so he got his wish and got to do the panic fix of things. Um, <laughs> hey, things got exciting. Congratulations. And, and, and Never say that to, again. <laughs> and was told to keep his damn mouth <laughs> shut in the future. <laughs> like, it's the simple lesson you learn by the time you're yeah. age 10 watching anything that, that a child ends up watching is you don't say, oh, nothing seems to be happening. Yeah. Um, well, yeah, Gen Con sounds like it was great. It was, it was, uh, it was fun to watch from the sidelines. But hey, we got we we got some fresh uh, news happening post Gen Con. Uh, first up, we ended up with a couple Wave Four spoilers. So uh, the main thing, well, more than a couple, but uh, two that aren't relevant to Trypticon. Uh, we got our first confirmed, which I believe uh, Drew you had mentioned in a vague sense on one of our recordings. We got a new Spy Patrol member in Raider Ratbat, and then we've got a new Hot Rod in uh, I forgot his title, Hot Rod. <laughs> Um. Yeah, but uh, hot rod. They, they both have. They're both saucy. Yeah, that hot rod. Uh, there's a bunch of things about it. I was looking at him with, with with Eric actually the other day. Uh, like number one, I'm really I'm really digging the idea of that uh, that new mechanic. Um, I was gonna say safeguard. Mm-hmm. Um, like obviously you know in a real baseline sense, it's an anti alpha strike mechanic. Uh, so that if someone goes first, they can't just merc. Uh, Rodimus on turn one necessarily, even if hey, they want hey, to bust oh, through. Whoa, 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 whoa. He's not hot Rodimus rod, yet. Private hot rod. He's not Rodimus yet. He's lowest tier. Oh, Come sorry, on, sorry. Private hot rod. We we have a long storied uh, tale about what his name is here in the Transformers Phantom. <laughs> um, he actually is not very often a hot rod, so that, that's 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 he, new to me. He may be Rodimus one day. Yeah, but at this point in the war, he is still a brash grunt. Yeah, he's a he's he's babyface private hot rod. Um, so the safeguard mechanic, I, I'm I like something that can uh, on the very on the very base level, I like something that can tell a player it's okay if you don't go first um, to mm-hmm. some degree. Like between you know natural stealth and an alt mode, or in this case safeguard, I like that. I also really am into the idea of resetting hot rod's health through repair to turn safeguard back on. Right, which is um, which is the I think the. The, the one level up there. And it's not really a, a surprise. You know, once you see that, that safeguard and Ratbat uh, have some interaction with the healing ability, um, it's not, it's not a super surprise because three, three damage is not something you can heal uh, just like regularly. You have to put a little work in to do, you know, repair three damage, but it is doable. Mm-hmm. That's actually, I, I was telling Eric, uh, <laughs> Uh, by the way, Eric, I'm sorry if you're listening to this much later and we're talking about you so much, but hey, you should listen to these faster. Hi, Eric. Um, hey, Eric. Uh, I was telling him, wouldn't it be funny if they had, like, you know, we have Bolt of Lightning. What if they had, like, Solve of Healing, a one-star Pipless card that's Heal 3 from one of your characters <laughs> to to bring the, the Rule of Three and the Magic the Gathering references back around? So, um, going back to our earlier discussion about how we do want games to progress, that, like, mm. it wouldn't be Heal 3. Right, like heal three. Like yeah. it would, it would have, it would. That synergy is always going to be balanced a little bit more on the, um, the attacking side. 
Yeah, that's what I was figuring. Like, especially after hearing it from Matt on the stream myself, anyway. Like that, the idea of repair going that far uh, in a single card, no matter you know the way the card might be limited, just seems highly unlikely. Now, in in um, early versions of the original game, the, the original first Wave One booster set file repair was much more prevalent, and games took forever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, I found the thinking of repair less as actual healing and more as uh, undoing parts of your opponent's previous turn is, is a way that makes me feel better about it and, and actually involve it more in my deck building. Yes. Like, um, I, I, at some point in the past, I've talked about, like, we think about, like, average number of attacks and that it takes to accomplish a thing. Um, and repair is really just to push the line over so it costs its one more attack necessary. And uh, and and Hot Rod just to, to also you know finish him up like he's he's got a, a fairly nice stat line actually with twelve health. Um, he's a little pricey at nine stars, but that's that's coming with this ability where if you manage to keep him alive until the point where you know you get a card under him, reshuffling your deck with the Nemesis Prime style effect. Uh, when he goes to robot mode, you get an extra action on each of your turns, which to me feels like if you build a deck around that, that is your your win con basically is being able to do multi-actions. We're super excited about seeing what people do with this. Um, it is a very powerful effect, right? Um, mm. you know, you, you plus one card play per turn is not so, but it requires that setup. But he it protects himself as he's getting, as you're getting there. So, so that there's a lot, a lot of things going on with hot rod, um, a lot of risk reward. And I, I like risk reward designs. Yeah, I I, uh, I like the idea of a mini game in a game. Like when I, when I got back into Magic, I really liked um, the Second Sun Control uh, Challenger deck with that that Second Sun card, where it's like you play this once, put it six cards down, and play it again, and you win. Yeah, um, like mini games within the game, I'm I'm kind of into. And to me, getting to just perpetually play a second action, um, even just for one or two turns, if you build your deck around it, that seems like that's how you set yourself up to then win, because, you know, you'll you'll either have a whole lot of untapped stuff, you'll have a whole lot of uh, direct damage stuff, or a whole lot of attack buffs. Like, there, there's so much you can do to turn that into an unwinnable situation for your opponent, I feel like. Yep. Long time ago, and many games and companies ago, I, I had designed a trading card game card that, that game had a rock, paper, scissors mechanic where you actually played rock, paper, scissors with your opponent. And so... Mm-hmm. The, the, I did a design design that was like, play rock, paper, scissors. If you win, do a thing. If you win with rock, do a bigger thing. And suddenly <laughs> it was like, okay, what what is my opponent likely to do? Because rock, paper, scissors is a learnable skill. Um, mm-hmm. It's not, mm-hmm. not truly random. Anyway, I, I, I digress. Uh, the, the, the best way to lose at rock, paper, scissors is to try to like win it without randomization but not be good at it that's what i've discovered ha. over my my time with the game where i'm sitting there like trying to eyeball what my opponent's body language is and then it's kind of like i'm just giving it away completely while doing what is that. paper body language you know what if i if i knew that then i wouldn't be saying that i lose when i try to figure this out so okay. um, i think it's probably i am a leaf in the wind yeah it's it's some of that wash uh type stuff so yeah, Hot Rod. He's a rare, by the way. So that's one of our rare slot characters. There are, and we can also see from his number. There's 52 characters in Siege Two. Uh, the other character we saw is a is a common is Raider Ratbat. Um, his tap ability is is pretty interesting. Uh, you know, reveal the top card of your deck, repair one from each of your characters for each different color among that card's battle icons. I don't think that's like 
like a vastly overpowered ability, but I could see that having a lot more effect than one might expect, depending on how your, your characters are set up. If you're running him with Soundwave and, say, Laserbeak, and you're you're playing the Laserbeak harassment game, I could see this as being a truly irritating ability to deal with. You know, Fuel Cash is just heal three, right? Repair three. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Uh, thank goodness you can't reclaim it onto the top of the deck um, before doing this. No, uh, but you could focus it there. You could. <laughs> if you have focus four, you can focus it three down. Yeah, or 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 secret dealings it just onto the top. Sorry, as well. four down. You um, have to do it four down. Oh, secret dealings. Yep, that's another good way to do it. Yeah, yeah. That, that's mm-hmm. why focus four is a little rare because you can set up your your next, not only your next draw, like you on your two 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 two. Oh, no, no, you can't. You need to have focus uh, six. Yeah. Sorry. Oh, no worries, no worries. The focus math is still new to me. Um, I, I really like focus, so I'm, I'm, I'm getting hungry to see it on more characters. I'm assuming we might be seeing focus in Siege 2. I think it was Scott uh, Landis who was talking about that. He, he thought focus was um, a very underappreciated mechanic. Yeah, I, I don't know many people talking about it locally unless I am. And, and I mean, granted, I think it's because I ran uh, Private RC a whole lot in a sealed and I ran her with General Optimus in a, in a constructed deck. But I, I think Focus is uh, is uh, enormously powerful for letting you add consistency to running a more mixed, balanced deck. Um, yeah. Yep. Without without plan, basically. And it's a wonderful limited mechanic, right? Like, if you're playing sealed or, or draft or turbo, like, focus is a very, very good mechanic because there, there are frequently suboptimal, more frequently suboptimal cards in your hand in those mm-hmm. formats, and suddenly you can turn them into the pips that you need. Well, and, and, and just being able to, to check the top before you flip. I mean, I'm, I'm a little biased because I also love Major Shockwave, and I, I get to check the top all the time with him. But... Uh, I, I feel like if there's ever going to be, say, like a, an upgrade that just says this, you know, upgraded character gets Focus X, I feel like Focus is going to blow out into an entirely new deck type altogether on a, on a wider spectrum. But we do have a fresh mechanic here on Ratbat. We saw it first on, tri- on the Trypticon guys, but, you know, since we're currently on Ratbat, let's just hit it. We got Revenge. Um, which I'm way into, uh, cause in this game, uh, safeguard does it a little bit, you know, you know, kind of, uh, making life harder for the super hard aggro player. And I only say this cause super hard aggro seems like it's, it's very much a flavor that is popular and it, it has a lot of success. So I, you know, obviously I want to see it taken down a peg, <laughs> but, um, revenge, uh, is, is a straight up punishment for KOing a character. Um, you know, revenge ability fires off when the character's KO'd. Uh, and I like that idea a lot, especially when Micromasters are often uh, the kind of characters that you are putting out front to take hits before your main character um, in the overall scope of the game. This is just it's making it even worse for the opponent. Yeah. Yep. And, you know, provided that they're in the right mode, if your opponent's going to beat your team, they just have to deal with your revenge abilities. They're going to happen. Like, yeah. the, last, the last revenge ability isn't going to matter, but... Yes, we like revenge quite a bit. Um, you may see that show up in the future. I'm I'm way into it. Uh, I, I think that it uh, it just it it like I said it it makes characters who you might even just be taking purely as fodder into something that is like it doesn't let yeah. your opponent feel good about KOing someone. Which making your opponent feel bad about making a decision to me is part of the psychological game of of Transformers TCG. Like, you know, like Frag Toss, for instance, or Nemesis Prime's flip ability. You know, you got to pick who you're going to put the damage on and, and making it so that, you know, your opponent has to make that bad decision. Or mm-hmm. um, if they put damage on you and you're like, I'll put it on this Battle Master. Even if, if you, say, want to not have that Battle Master KO immediately, yeah. 
if it you, ticks if, that clock closer. Yes. Yeah, and, and if your opponent knows that okay, you've put damage on them and you're going to probably tap them next turn, then it, you know it's just like yeah, you're you're not going to feel good about attacking this battle master because now you put two damage on it. It also uh, opens up new gameplay styles like Triptychon. Um, he just actively wants to keep tossing his little guys away. Yeah. Like mm-hmm. as long as his little guys are dying and taking damage, the Triptychon player is is maintaining value. Because his Triptychon is not taking the damage, and his little guys are doing the revenge abilities. And their revenge abilities, I I, I got to go double check what they were, but I, I was really digging them. Like they, I mean they they to me represent the mechanic a lot harder than Ratbat. Ratbat's is more of a, um, it's a disruptive uh, revenge ability. It's not like one that's going to necessarily close out the game. Right. But yeah, you know, I'm I'm also just curious to see how he runs with the Soundwave setup. Um, due to Toy Fair, not Toy Fair, uh, San Diego Comic Con you know, one of the other quote unquote toy fairs. It a lot of us were able to kind of predict like we're probably seeing a rat bat in this game because they they debuted a fresh spy patrol two pack yep. um at mm-hmm. that show. Uh which obviously makes me think, hey, maybe there's one more spy patrol team member, but at this point, you know, we're we're close enough to spoiler season. I don't feel like I really need to poke about that too much. Hey, it's fine. You can um, speculate and I can play dumb. Yeah. Well I mean the main question is like I mean you guys are obviously gonna follow their their proper naming scheme. So if it was a red little guy, he'd probably be a rumble. Um, you which, nev- is, which you, is correct. You never know. It's difficult for us to tell. Oh, man. If you guys print a red frenzy, I don't know what I'm going to do. But I know what's going to happen. John would have a very, very interesting day. Yes. <laughs> well, you know what? I mean, does John need an interesting day? Because, I mean, we could always... I, I'm not against that. No, I don't, don't. Let's not do that to John. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, the... There's, I mean, that's one of the, the, the good and um, challenging parts of syncing up with a toy line is we, we both feed information to each other. I mean, public information, as soon as we disclose mm-hmm. one thing, like it is, it is a very interesting and delicate dance that we do. Yeah. And, and I think John does a great job at, at not being frustrating while also, you know, staying within, you know, the, uh, the, the timeline that he's, he's got to stay within. Like you guys uh, had a great photo go up showing physically the you know the unsealed Triptychon uh, uh, booster box design uh, that you guys had. I guess I'm guessing at the office. Um, yeah, that we just and, put that uh, up a couple hours ago. Yeah, yeah, and, and a friend of mine called out a piece of artwork that was on the side of the box in one of the shots, and uh, John once again masterfully made use of the respond with GIF mechanic of social media. Uh, <laughs> in case anyone's wondering, John's okay. GIF foo is is well in advance of mine. It's super solid because, like, and again, you don't have to say anything. But on one side of the box, uh, Spinister is one of the pieces of artwork on there, and Spinister as a deluxe toy also was just shown at San Diego Comic Con. One could probably do some math. I'm sure it'll end up checking out eventually down the road. I mean, it's uh, fine. Like, Spinister's not on the box for a rando reason. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it would be weird if he was. You know, one yeah. one day we'll just do that just to throw a monkey wrench. No, we would never do that. It, <laughs> That was just some key art that was laying Super. around, whatever. No, you you got to put a, a red sound wave uh, humanoid cassette minion on the side, but then it's enemy, not frenzy or rumble. Yeah, there's one uh, more thing. There's one more thing hidden on that box that's fun to look at. So just giving you a heads up. Ooh, yeah. Well, let's uh, let's get into into that Triptychon fun. Uh, okay, you all know this already, but when you buy a booster box of Siege Two, uh, if you buy the booster box sealed, you get the Triptychon pack in it, which is Triptychon and his three little friends. Uh, Triptychon also has a couple Triptychon-oriented battle cards that are going to be in packs. Uh, we've seen, I believe, two of them. And, uh, you've you know, seen, if you you've, aren't... You've seen all of them at this point. 
Okay, we have seen all of them. Yeah, the two of them are the are the are the two Trypticon specific. Uh, all right, I, I was going to ask about that, so now now I know. Uh, and uh, yeah, if, if you uh, if you aren't buying a sealed box, but your local gaming store is opening a sealed box to sell individual boosters, then hey, maybe ask them what are you doing with that Trypticon. We recommend um, that it is used for price support. That's, I believe, the plan of at least one of the stores over here when when we mentioned it. Um, I will say, like, given the propensity of, of serious players of this game and even semi-serious players to buy multiple booster boxes, ask your friends if they have spare Trypticons. Yeah, you can trade for them. Uh, mm-hmm. I think Trypticon is going to probably be a very well-democratized, uh, or the Trypticon pack is going to be a well-democratized character pack. That's my prediction. Uh, and Trypticon's um, really fun to play. Um, it is a definitely a different play style, as I alluded to before. Uh, it does require a little bit of mental shift that it's okay to just start pitching your characters. Uh, yeah. and, and there's a couple of different ways to build his deck. Um, uh, maybe, maybe two and a half. Um, and one of them is, am I just going whole hog in pitching my characters, getting them back, pitching my character? Like, there's, there's some fun stuff there. I'm guessing Peace Through Tyranny has a place in one of those decks. Yeah. Is what I'm guessing. Yeah, it's, it, it, <laughs> it, it is. Um, but you also have to cycle through your deck if you want to play that, because you don't want to get stalled out where it's sitting in your discard pile, and you really need to put some characters under Trypticon. Yeah. Oh, for sure, for sure. But uh, yeah, I don't know, the Trypticon playstyle, like, it, it's Trypticon is your main character. He's a Titan, so height advantage. Welcome back. Um, and we've got Brunt, uh, Wipeout, and Full Tilt. Uh, Wipeout. Uh, I think is a super cool inclusion because um, that is not an easy character pull. That's a, that's almost a Flame War tier character pull as far as a Trypticon relevant character. Right. Um, I, mean, I mean, it's it's really interesting figuring out what what uh, he looks like, right? Because there's yeah. there's very very um, scant reference, and uh, I, if I'm God, if this is so, I'm going back six months or more in time to when we were commissioning. I believe he is a wind. His body form is kind of like a wind charger, alt, alt paint. Mm-hmm. Yeah, his original comic appearance, he was basically a a black wind charger, and his one toy that came out was a two pack in Japan of reveal the shield wind charger and a black reveal the shield wind charger called Wipeout. Yeah. So it's like I said, that's that's a very deep character pull, um, and uh, I'm I'm happy to see it. I just got to call out. I love the artwork on Relentless Invasion because it is just like the it's the Goon Squad artwork. Yeah, uh, and I, I'm I'm way into Goon Squad artwork. <laughs> uh, there is there is some more Goon Squad artwork that you're gonna love in uh, Siege Two. One of the things that Siege Two does is it um, we depict on battle card art because all of the battle card art is is new for Siege Two. Um, is it, it depicts a lot of the of critical fight moments, um, mm. possibly some last stands, um, and so there's there's some really exciting art. Given that you like Goon's God art, that you're going to like in this sense. All right, I'm down. I mean, I I, I like Goon Squad art. I even like I, I like art where it's like a member of what I would call a Goon Squad, like Runamuck and Runabout are are Goon Squad bros. And so Frag Toss is, you know, I think I said this before, it's one of my faves just because it's, it's one of those goons just, you know, chucking a grenade. So I, I don't know if you heard this, but there's a linked series of battle card art that are, they're not uh, obviously or mechanically linked together, but they yeah. do tell a little story of a bunch of uh, kind of goons going on a mission. Um, and Frag Toss theoretically could, could be part of that if you, uh, if you, you put it with those, those sequence of art. 
I think you'd mentioned that uh, in one of our Siege podcasts at some point. Uh, I, think, really I, think I, I think I did mention that to you guys. Yeah. Yeah. Like my, I, I'm looking forward to finally seeing, you know, like, or at least getting all the data to piece that together. Cause I'm guessing it's not, it sounds like it's not as obvious as like a bunch of guys or, or maybe it is. And I, I'd be into this too. I, my immediate thought was, is it a, is it a bunch of guys playing hot potato with the frag toss grenade? No, they're going uh, on a mission to do something. And, okay. uh, okay. they need a truck to, they need a, they need a truck to go places and carry things. Yeah. All right. I mean, hey, there's a lot of trucks on Cybertron. Um, yeah. If you play a certain card, they can heal too when they're in truck mode. Uh, we also got a uh, kind of a companion piece to Slammer. We got Brunt. Um, this is Drone Brunt, and I know this this question came up immediately for you guys because uh, not Drone Brunt was on the the advertisement card in Siege One, like the toy cross sell. Um, right. So, so th- a little bit of history here. So the Trypticon core game mechanics were actually designed with right around, uh, Metroplex. And we finished, mm. the, we finished the Metroplex design first and then for that Metroplex deck and then finished the Trypticon, uh, game design. And then we ended up finding a really good place for it very shortly thereafter in Siege. And so instead of doing a deck product for it, we put it in Siege. But that meant that we had had paired designs with um, uh, the Metroplex and Trypticon playstyles. So mm-hmm. even though there's Weaponizer Brunt in Siege toy line, we, we had already done the drone Brunt, and in order to remain that keep the parity between the two Titans, we, we just kept that design. Yeah, like, well, this is you know this is this is Baby Brunt before he went to school and and got a robot mode and a spark. Uh, and yeah. a spark and and a face, uh, yeah. I uh, I'm, I'm also just kind of into like I mean we're we're now at a point where maybe this is a little bit less special, but I also like there's yet another four star tank, you know, like more more weird options. I mean he, he's I think that he's straight up got uh, Slammer's um, stat line the three three three. I believe so. Yes. Yeah. So I, I would actually like to run Brunt and Slammer as just like dual four star three three threes. Um, that just seems like an irritating thing for an opponent to deal with. I mean, the uh, more the more tanks you have, the more armor you put on them with Hunker Down. Yeah. I mean, like Brunt and Slammer with superior platings or or you know, Slammer with a Magnus armor. Like that's all that's all just fun stuff. Uh That's just scary. Like just yeah, someone just stuck the Magnet the Magnus armor maybe with magnets onto this this poor little tank drone. You know, I don't think I've actually seen anyone do that. Oh jeez! I mean, I, I've put the Magnus armor on Omega Supreme, and I've put it on Top Shot, uh, but I have not yet put it on Slammer. That's a personal goal for me now. Yeah, no, I don't think I've seen Magnus armor and Slammer together. Oh man! But yeah, uh, like like Brunt, you know, he's he's a Slammer with a revenge mechanic. Uh, the the revenge mechanics on the Trypticon uh, folks, I believe, all are based on having Trypticon on the field. So you know, there is that pre that pre wreck. Uh, and then I believe it is uh, their alt mode is like for for full tilt and wipeout. I'm just double checking. Yeah, it's the in in their alt mode. And if they revenge in alt mode, they you know do a thing with the number one. If they're in robot mode, is with the number two. Um, so they'll do it a bit harder in robot mode. And that goes back to Metroplex needed to flip a bunch in order to deploy his characters. Whereas Trypticon, you you can flip him into his robot mode and just keep slamming with him, and you don't need to spend your flips. Your flips are spent on your on the, the deployable characters. Yeah. Yeah. And with Trypticon's base mode giving them all bold one, like that that to me also says like hey, there's the, like probably a main version of this deck is going to be very aggressive. Um with them mm-hmm. hitting hard, dying and then hitting you for dying. Um 
And then trip, you know, Trypticon flipping and finishing things off. Yeah. And uh, I, I just really, I feel like there's going to be some really rude Peace Through Tyranny plays with Trypticon going twice on a wheel turn or something. Um, if, if that's something that one could set up. Uh, now that I'm thinking about it, maybe that's actually very hard to set up. But I feel like Peace Through Tyranny is going to do some fun stuff for, for Trypticon gameplay. Um, but like when he's in robot mode, when you flip to it, you can sack one of your characters and uh, he gets either plus three attack or repairs three. It pro- uh, I'm just thinking, like, if you did st- abuse brainstorms and rapid conversions, that's a lot for, for kind of a little. Although that could be, like, repairing six, uh, which could be game-changing as well. I, I think one of the fundamental things is don't get attached to the little guys. No. Yeah. No, no. Uh, in fact, I think Erratic Energy Grenade probably has a place in a lot of Trypticon setups, too. <laughs> um. That, it's, that seems very Constructicon-esque of, uh, like, like, I was actually telling a friend of mine, um, Erratic Energy Grenade feels almost like a preview card for the revenge mechanic, uh, in a way. And it, um, and it, it, it pretty much is. Um, in the, yeah. in the same way that plan, uh, was not a keyworded ability in its first, the first time we have it printed. Yeah. In, in a lot of ways, the Erratic Energy gr- Grenade is the similar. I mean, yeah, that's, that's, not, that's, that's, has been a pattern. And I kind of like that it's a pattern that's built on the back of the mechanic doesn't have a keyword the one time it appears, which means if there's ever someone who shuts it off, there's one version of it that is not shut offable, um, directly. Um, energy grenade, obviously, you can just shut off by taking the grenade away from them <laughs> before it blows up. But, uh, with Trypticon, I actually have a bit of an odd question for you. Since he was designed around the time that you, you know, right after you finished up with Metroplex, uh, even though he is in with Siege 2, is there any kind of in-house pre-con deck list floating around for him that might get out? Oh, yeah, probably. Um, okay. I'm, I'm almost certain that, uh, uh, the designers and John will, will be talking about a suggested deck list for Trypticon as we get more into reveal season. Yeah. Uh, by the way, in case it got under anyone's radar who's listening to this, the launch date for Siege 2 is November 8th um, in U.S. and certain other regions. So, you know, we're that, that's that's by the time we hit November, spoilers are probably going to be mostly done. So think about that rhythmically. October is probably going to be very busy um, for coverage and whatnot. That's likely true. Uh, yeah, it's, it seems like a possibility. But uh, yeah, I, the only other thing I really wanted to jump on was just to say that like when I heard it at a Gen Con interview, I'm way into that. I think it's a very cute idea to have that whole like remove this panel to unseal the power of Trypticon thing at the bottom of the booster box. Like that's fun. Uh, as you mentioned in an interview, that's also a great way to keep the Trypticon pack flat and not get banged around too much in shipping. Yeah, this is mm-hmm. the, and and it's. I mean, you get to see the the package here. It even though the dimensions have been slightly altered, it it, it looks almost indistinguishable when you're just looking at it yeah it's a it's i think it's a very cool idea and it's gonna i mean you know speaking as someone who makes youtube videos i don't make a lot of unboxing videos i only really do one or two per wave but like that that also feels like a a, a thing that is giving fuel to the unboxers out there oh absolutely Um, in fact we, we we briefly discussed should we just keep this secret (laughs) <laughs> oh yeah that would have been dope uh, like someone gets to the bottom of one column and is like wait what's this yeah <laughs> we 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 imagined all of the amazing uh video content that would come out of that but ultimately it's better to let people know up front so that they know they retail stores for example know what they're purchasing and what the value is yeah mm-hmm. I, I I think that's the better path. Like I think I think the surprise reveal would have been great for about three hours. 
Um, and then it, it would have turned into, wait, we didn't know this. I would have ordered a case if, if et cetera. Yep. But, uh, Aaron, I just want to swing back over, uh, cause I, there was a lot of Triptychon to talk about. Uh, what are your thoughts on Triptychon? Like, I don't think we've really talked about it at all. Uh, yeah, other than no, when it we, dropped. we've not got the chance to talk TCG stuff, at least, uh, being recorded. Yeah. Um, since that's dropped, I'm, I'm super interested in this as a way to get it out there. Um, I know that, uh, you know, I end up generally getting three or four boxes across everything and, you know, being able to help supply other people that aren't as, you know, like crazy as I am about buying just a whole bunch of cards in one fell swoop because I got no sense. Um, but it'll be a good, like an additional way to, to help establish players, I think, draw in new players, be like, look at the size of this thing. Like, yeah. you get to go to town with a card that's, you know significantly larger than um the other ones so it must be better right <laughs> um i also feel like like if you're buying like a case to me this this ups the value of what you're getting out of the case if you if you mm-hmm. go into like this slightly cynical idea but the idea that if an, like a really competitive player is buying a box set version of a titan character they're primarily buying it for the character cards and the play sets of the new card so having that be a sort of baked in "Quote unquote free bonus in your right. in your booster case, like that's that's you know decent little value that you're getting as a as a pack in prize basically. Yeah. Um, with with Tripticon only having the two battle cards, like and one of them being a one star card, you're probably only going to run one of. You only need three copies of one and one of the other, and especially if you're buying a case, I expect you're going to pull that. Uh, and if you don't, you'll be able to trade for it pretty easily. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I, I I should hope that you get your your playset per box. I think. Well, I mean, like you can't guarantee playsets, but I think someone actually asked this, and one of you guys in some interview, Drew, had had actually. I think you straight up said like the nature of collation means it's going to be highly unlikely you don't open a box without seeing those Triptychon cards. Correct. I mean, we can't guarantee mm-hmm. because of the what the randomness and in, inherent in booster packs, but we sort of know the drop frequency of cards. Um, yeah. So just and, and do, the- doing the math and looking at the bell curve of distribution. Um, or actually, rather, a scatter plot. Um, we uh, <laughs> we we can say that the by far and away the average experience for a, a box opener is to get exactly the cards they need. Yeah, the the one you would you would maybe want three of is an uncommon, so that's not going to be too difficult. And the one you only really want one of is a rare. Yep. So you're you're likely to just pull one or maybe two anyway. Um, so I, I think I think Triptychon's gonna like I said I think everything about this distro is gonna make him for people who want him he's gonna be democratized enough to the player base that it's not gonna be a task to get a hold of him. And that was our intent. You know, we mm-hmm. we want people to experience Triptychon. Um, we know that a lot of people, you know, this was this was on us and particularly on me. Excuse me, misunderstood uh, Metroplex to be a starter deck, and he's really not. Um, he can be if you have a lot of experience playing tra- trading card games and you just dive right in. But he's not sort mm. of like... And so we wanted we wanted people to see and experience what a Titan looks like in our game. And so by just including one as a bonus, uh, you know, puts it right in your face. And I'll also say, like, if you're, if you're new to the game and you're kind of on the hunt for height advantage to go with Triptychon and you, for whatever reason, don't want to track down a Metroplex, like... A lot of people I know, and maybe myself included, own more than one Metroplex, and Height Advantage is a card that is also quite plentiful out there, if you really, really need mm-hmm. it. Um, 
That does lead me to one little screwdriver moment here, which is maybe not in Siege 2, but uh, with there being two Titans now, is there? what are the chances on the horizon of us seeing another battle card that references just the Titan tag? I, I know for a fact that Wave 5 has at least one. Good to know. Mm-hmm. That excites me a lot. <laughs> and I'll, I'll give a little spoiler. It, I, I believe it hits Titans, Guardians, something else that I'm not going to spoil, and... Ooh, excellent. Mm. I, I I did also catch in some of the Gen Con coverage uh, yourself and others talking a little bit more about what the Guardian tag means, and I'm uh, I'm really into seeing a Guardian come out that is maybe more of a, a Trypticon than a, an Omega Supreme, like one that's not under the umbrella of being a, a, a tied-in promo card. Um, yeah. Like, I'd like to see, like, what a Guardian does if there is a second one who's not partly part of an ex- exclusivity deal um to to communicate a bit more clearly like you know this is because now we can kind of see this is what titans kind of are yep uh, two points make a line and i think yeah. i think guardian guardians to for us i mean guardian is you know a defined term in the transformers universe but there are there's more than omega supreme that fit into the guardian class um both in lore depending on which part you're looking at um, and what time period you're talking about. But for us, from a game mechanic point of view, it's that sort of 18, 19, 20-ish range big character. Um, mm-hmm. And right for now, Omega Supreme is going to be the only Guardian, um, at least for the next couple of sets. Uh, but yeah. that that character class is now available to us, um, and that tag helps us, you know, formulate that into all right that's what this bucket of characters does this what this bucket of characters does did like would it would it be on target to say like the the idea of a guardian is like an immensely large character but one who could also say be on your sideboard that's specifically why the sideboard point value is the way it is okay yeah okay. I, I had i had a feeling um and it it does make me excited to see like whenever whenever we we start hitting some more you know guardian stuff like like what they do, uh, so like I said, Trypticon is clearly um, going to like add another Titan deck. The Titan decks are character selection wise quite you know they they don't really have variants. Uh, you're running the Titan, and uh, I, I like already what Metroplex does for a meta, even though like like Metroplex is kind of. Locally, at least, he's sort of fallen a little bit out of popularity of late, aside from me and one or two other people who were trying to cram some Wave 3 cards into the Metroplex deck, uh, which got very difficult. So, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to that. I like more tags. Once again, you don't, I don't think you can say anything quite yet. We're very early on. But seeing that Spinister on the side of the box and remembering what happened when we got, you know, another motorcycle in Siege 1 makes me really excited about maybe that helicopter tag getting some love. There's at least one helicopter support card in uh, in Siege 2. We've, we've arrived. We have arrived. <laughs> um, yeah, just, just going back to Titans for a second. Um, one of the things in our mind that characterizes a Titan card is... Um, uh, Titans, in almost in all of the foreseeable cases in the near future, um, come with associated characters that are smaller. Um, mm. That sort of mm-hmm. established Hasbro has established the Titan play pattern involves a, a Titan-sized character and his helper friends. So that that is characteristic to us. Um, and then the other thing is that Titans have. They're, they're, they're probably 23 to 25 stars, um, and they have a, a kind of interestingly unique play pattern to them. 
And that's sort of mm-hmm. that that is our our view from a design perspective as to what a Titan means in the TCG. I, I could see that in Metroplex. I mean I mean Metroplex established that basically if you run the Metroplex deck, you have kind of one and a half very established strategies you're probably gonna want to focus on. And it, it's it's mainly about figuring out the forty card deck that functions around that and figuring out how to pilot those characters. And uh I, I like that the Titan deck so far anyway, Metroplex, has been quite viable. Um I, I haven't actually run him yet in the sideboarded wave three meta where I have heard some comments about you know the fact that he's often so reliant on bold that the some of the wave three sideboard stuff makes life really hard for him. Uh I was looking at it and I feel like there are still I mean, it's not gonna be absolutely top tier i feel like there are still ways around it um but that that is cramming a lot into an already crowded deck that's uh, true but as we come out with more multi-pip multi-color pip support um i think that does help metroplex oh yeah yeah uh activating his ability regularly is is probably not quite as important as bold as getting him up to, to the high bold value but mm-hmm. um if there are other ways to more reliably activate that ability say through you know other multicolor pip support cards that is that it offers a second potential build i don't know if it's as good as the first one but it's certainly something you'll see more of over time yeah and i mean i i if there's one thing about metroplex i kind of didn't want to see it was that he would forever just be the deck that tries to do the alt as much as that's clearly going to always be a very big focus uh mm-hmm. like i like the idea of, of some other game plans opening up for him it's interesting. One of the reasons why uh, Metroplex was designed with the alt and as our second product or third product, second deck, um, is that we wanted to have a product that very loudly reinforced the um, you get to swing with everybody when your opponent's tapped out. Yeah. And we wanted to do that early in the life cycle of the brand because it's it's a in some ways some of the, one of the more complex rules in that it's one of the few strange rules that's that's completely not on any card. Yeah, it's uh, it's an interesting one that I, in in doing demos, um, I've, I've I've come up with ways to explain it, which is I'm kind of inventing a a um, series of checks that happen at the end of combat, basically, and and I mean they're not in the rules, that's why I say inventing, but it's kind of like you know when you finish attacking with your character, you do a few checks as to whether your opponent is fully tapped out and whether you're fully tapped out. Yep, exactly. And and yeah, like like coming up with a sort of flowchart approach to it, I found made it a lot clearer for for some folks I was I was teaching the game to. Um, but it is it, one of the most immediately, my word is resisted. It's not active resistance, but it's like the, the player mind resists the idea that they don't get to play cards in between their attacks. It's been the common thing I've found. Yes, because it's, uh, it's unusual to the Transformers trading card game. Most other trading card games that allow multiple characters to attack basically allow that sort of like in-between step. Yeah. And I, what, what, I, what I often tell a new player that I'm demoing to is I just say, like, imagine if you could actually, like, let's look at the, these cards that I have in my hand. I'll just show you. Imagine if I could play each and every one of these on your guys in between every attack. You, you'd see that it's a horrific disadvantage, if that were the case, to have remotely less characters than your opponent. Yeah. Which eventually gets it across to them. Compliments again, by the way, if anyone out there is listening uh, on that that second starter set. That is a beautiful demo set. I've I've run it under the ringer a little bit more at a convention in Hamilton recently, and uh, it it does work a whole lot. <laughs> but uh, yeah, just just to, to I guess we I, I didn't think I was gonna get that helicopter answer so quickly. So I'm <laughs> I'm uh, just just caught off guard now. Yeah. 
Uh, I, I'm excited about that. I've been waiting for the the keyword um, satisfaction uh, cycle to, to to finish up. Like I I only have a few wants now, and I feel weird saying them while in this particular recording because we'll probably see you know in the next month or so. But um, just, just I guess real quick, Aaron, anything else Trypticon wise you wanted to throw out or ask about? Mm, not really. Not that I can think of. Okay. I do have one other question, and this is something presented on the Siege 2 booster pack image that we've seen. Uh-oh. Um, and I'm not going to ask the really obvious question. I, I have a very specific form of this question. Okay. Because um, you guys released an image, or, you know, an image was released, as well, we, I'll say, of we, the Siege we, 2 we, booster that pack. That was us. Yeah, we did that. It was intentional. All right, and it says, you know, the large and small character card dimensions. Yep. Um, it says the small character card may be a micro master character yep. or battle master character or half of a weaponizer character. Yep. Uh, my version of the question that I think is not too overly probing yet, because I'm guessing that's going to be a fairly, that sounds like the kind of thing that's probably going to be one of the first major spoilers that we see out of an outlet. Um, who knows? Is, yeah, who, who knows, really? Uh, if someone was to pull half of that weaponizer, would that card not be something they could use till they pull the other half, or would it have use on its own? Kind of uniquely in Transformers, because of a kind of neat way to do the game mechanic that we came up with for we- for these style of weaponizers, which is not the way Cog is a weaponizer. Um, mm. You need to collect both halves. Okay, that okay. That's all I need to know. That that is enough until we see the spoiler. Like I said, I'm, I'm pretty sure that's going to be an earlier spoiler than a later one. Um, you don't have to answer that. I'm just thinking like, let's say here's what a later spoiler is. Uh, wave two ruckus was a later spoiler. I don't think this is going to be one of those spoilers. Fair enough. Uh, Fair that's, enough. My, that's my mm-hmm. speculation. No, no, this will, this will not be the ruckus sort of end of the spoiler season. And then everybody's like, Oh my God, ruckus. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, uh, by the way, ruckus was a pretty big spoiler. Um, he, he won me a sealed game once. Uh. <laughs> yeah, so the we- the weaponizer thing. Like, one of the reasons we write this text is to you know make sure that people have fully understand what they're getting in the package. Um, mm-hmm. There aren't a ton of weaponizers in in Siege Two. There's there's a few. Okay. There's a few. So okay. the majority of the packs will have um, uh, either a battle master or micro master. I noticed the pluralization on weaponizers. Yeah, there's more than one. All right. I'm not. I, this has just popped into my head. Uh, is there any battle card that keywords on weaponizer, or are they still just a that just a, a character tag for now? Oh, that's a great question. Hold on. Yeah, it sounds like a pretty good question. I don't good job, Chris. recall good job. that offhand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, my only other question is only because of the San Diego Comic Con reveals where they showed um, that they're doing one of the MicroMaster combiners. That being two MicroMasters that form a stick with wheels. Uh, I have a soft spot for those because I had a three pack of those when I was a kid. Yeah, you know, um, it's, unfor- yeah. it's unfortunate. There were um, Siege was finalized before a couple of characters could could information could make it over to us, and the MicroMaster oh. combiners and Rung. Uh, oh, them. nuts! Okay, oh. it's good to know about Rung because I know that's immediately what people who are just coming to this are probably going to ask. Yeah, I, um, very sad. Um, Rung Rung's information got to us too late to include in the set. Yeah, that I, w- I when I saw his artwork on his package, I was immediately thinking like, is there, is there? And I, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, I think John might have answered this, or you might have answered this in a, a, a Gen Con interview. Uh, I know I was answering it in person at Siege at uh, SDCC because I was getting asked that all the time. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. All due respect to Rung, like I'm actually the, the thing I'd be more interested in seeing is the MicroMaster combiner specifically because of the 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 pair that turned into a Blackbird style jet. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. one, one of them being Vanquish, which is one of the coolest Transformers names out there that nobody talks about. So ho- hopefully someday Vanquish can have his day. We do something differently cool with MicroMasters in this stuff. They're mm. not they're not just there are not just your regular old MicroMasters. Okay. Uh I feel like I'm going to have my screwdriver taken away if I start wiggling it anymore. So I should probably um, just pass one more time back over. Aaron, any other thoughts on your end? Any other any other questions you want to ask? Any other uh, you want you want to use now, screwdriver? So the, the the question that I would ask is: After seeing the way that Sergeant Cog worked, is there a reason why you maybe went for a split two version? Was it a, a change in design? Um, complicated answer. Uh, so. The, the toys are sort of waved out, right? Right. Um, and Cog was the the first weaponizer that was that we had access to in terms of just syncing up with the toy release dates. And as right. a solo card, um, solo solo cards don't really lend themselves to just generating a whole new class of mechanic that you would want to do on. Mm-hmm. So okay. we wanted and we wanted to do something really special and, and kind of like crazy with, with uh, Cog. So we made him into the version that you see in siege one, but once okay. since siege two catches up pretty much to the end of the, um, the siege toy line, there were, there were other things av- available to us. So we could sort of say, oh, okay, we can do this in a group of cards. Okay. I have one other little question, um, which I'm looking around to see if it's already been answered, and I'm not sure, but this just pertains to the smaller character cards. Rarity-wise, are they still going to be confined to common and uncommon? Uh, I'm not going to answer that one there. Okay. Uh, that just popped into my head as something I'm sure someone was going to comment in. So uh, there we yeah. go. Well, we've, uh, we've settled that for now. That'll, you know, we'll talk about the, that later. Yeah, yeah. Um, all right. I think that that's about all of the major topics I had at hand other than, uh, I mean, I, I've got a little, little report from my end of my, my little tooling area over here. Uh, number one, I've been trying a new deck out that I haven't seen anyone else do since recording this. I've absolutely seen other people talk about doing this <laughs> and it's, it's kind of fun. I'd recommend it if you want to, we, a bunch of us were trying to figure out what to do with private sideswipe. Um, <laughs> Okay. And we realized that he quietly synergizes with Wave 2 Grimlock. So I've been running Sideswipe and Grimlock with another 8-star character and filling a KO pile and then swinging in with a 12 to 14 strength Sideswipe. Interesting. It's it's pretty fun. Um, unfortunately, I say unfortunately only because of the tone in the room, uh, you know, in the, in the community right now. The I, the 8-star character used to be Wave 2 Slag, because I like him as a tank, and then I realized I was running these Cars cards for Sideswipe. Who's an 8-star car that could fit in here? And then I kind of looked, and I said, oh, hi, Cliff Jumper, what's up? You actually fit into this pretty well. <laughs> for community solidarity, I, even though I have a Cliff Jumper, I went and made myself a proxy. Um you know, for lo- local Toronto area community solidarity, but uh, private side swipe with with Volcanicus Grimlock, I think, is a thing. Um, try it out if you haven't, because uh, I I really was not sure what to do with side swipe otherwise. Oh, oh, wave two Grimlock. Yeah. Oh. 
put characters mm. in my KO pile, and then every time I flip sideswipe yeah. to car mode, he gets yeah. plus two for however many mm. are in there. And this is the thing I found in game one. First game I played with it, someone said, okay, you put one Dinobot in your KO pile, I'm going to Merc Grimlock right now. And I was like, cool, now I have two characters in my KO pile. When I flip sideswipe, <laughs> he gets plus four. I'm kind of okay with this. <laughs> Hilarious. Uh, if they, the, the one weakness of the deck is if you play against someone and they just you know, obliterate sideswipe as soon as possible. The deck kind of crumples in on itself. Yeah. Um, it doesn't really have a plan B, but it's still a lot of fun. And I think it's currently one of the most fun ways to use that character. And I'm sure you all have one, um, which brings me to my other, this is, this is just a dumb little thing, but, uh, as of yesterday, can you two guess, I've been pulling a, a certain rare character card at a siege one constantly, I just pulled my sixth one, and I, I, I never ran into this with the other two waves to this degree. Uh, and this is across multiple stores, multiple personal bot boxes, so this is not any kind of, like, trackable thing. It's just my luck. But can you guess who I've been pulling constantly? I'll go with Ironhide. All right. Drew, have you got a guess? Uh, Trigger Happy. General Optimus Prime. Will not nice. leave my side, no matter how... I have traded him away three times. I mean, I have my own. I'm not getting rid of him, but I, he keeps showing up. I don't know who these other General Optimus Primes are. Uh, the real one is in my binder, but these other, you know, duplicates, these these uh, pretenders keep just showing up. So, hey, if there's ever a shortage on General Optimus Prime, there's a good chance I have about ten of them. Um, so, you know, keep me in mind. That, I think, that brings us to the end of this recording. I also have a, a super rare wind blade I'd like to trade for a cog. Keep me in mind. Um, Drew, thank you for joining us once again. Uh, it, it sounds like travel time uh, is not calming down for you because you're about to go to Magic Fest in Las Vegas. I am about to go to Magic Fest in Las Vegas, and I will see uh, hopefully lots of, lots of players there um, who are new to Transformers completely. It's very mm -hmm. exciting. Yeah, I think this game especially to Magic players who are in the midst of a very tiring event. I think this game is a welcome reprieve, in my opinion, and more Magic players should be taking a look at it, but they're probably not listening to this right now. Yeah. Uh, so hope that goes well. Aaron, uh, welcome back from Gen Con once again. Thanks. And uh, thank you for joining me here as well. I, I, I enjoy it. Excellent. Uh, any any other fresh stuff on your end, TCG-wise? Like, it sounds like you've been really busy with work since you got not back. Not really. Yeah, since since uh, post Gen Con work has been uh, bonkers, mm -hmm. and uh, more bonkers. So then the normal well. game nights right now. So oh yeah, I mean you know what? One of my okay, I already feel I didn't mean to humble brag. <laughs> I was about to say one of my like, normal game nights. Right, I got game like nights six is... game nights. Whatever we, I just decide where I want to go play with people because I live in a big city and people like me. <laughs> it's not just a big city, and and it's not whether or not I'm likable. It's we are we are fortunate as all heck here in Toronto that we have three to four stores just in the accessible within half an hour downtown area that are all supporting the game. And we've got at least two or three stores farther out from downtown who are all supporting the game. Mm -hmm. uh, given the hardships, I know a lot of people I know who want to play the game are going through getting it going in their areas. I tell Toronto players as much as I can, we are super fortunate um, to, to be able to just readily play Transformers here. Um, especially given that we're also, as far as I've been told, one of the biggest towns for modern magic in North America. 
Um, it's very easy for magic to power us out of the room, but Transformers is is thriving in its in its own space and go Toronto. Um, anyway. That's all for this podcast. Thank you all for listening. Uh, as always, if you enjoy hearing us talk about TCG stuff, if you're on YouTube, there should be a playlist um, at the end card of this uh, video version of the podcast. If you're listening to the audio podcast, I assume you're subscribed. If you're not, then I, I don't know what to tell you. Uh, and if you like us talking about Transformers, hey, guess what? That's what we've been doing for like over a decade, so we got a whole lot of that, too. Uh, don't listen to the old ones. That's That's terrifying to me, but listen to the new ones. I don't know. I saw somebody recently talking about, like, Oh, yeah, so I went back and started listening to, like, WTF 200, and I was just like, why? Wasn't that our mutual <laughs> friend? Wasn't that... Those, yeah. Wasn't that ever... Yeah. Yeah. Ever, listening to old podcasts with our old mics where we're all babies? Yeah. Uh, don't do that. <laughs> or do that. I don't know. Um, whatever you do, uh, have a good day. Thank you for listening, and stay safe. What the f- man, man.